Have you ever wanted to play the perfect tabletop game where story beats run smoothly and there's no awkward pauses between dice rolls? Yeah, me too. But since that's impossible, I did the next best thing and novelized my Witcher tabletop game to showcase the story in its cleanest form. The result is this podcast. I'm Jacob Gerstel, and this is Tales from the Witcher. Part audiobook, part actual play, part serialized adventure, and a whole new way to vicariously enjoy tabletop games. Welcome to the world of The Witcher, where monsters roam freely and the continent is once again at war. If you were hoping to follow the plight of Gale to Rivia, however, I'm not going to be doing that. Instead, I offer you the story of a not-so-merry band of degenerates who are making their way across the continent. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. The Last Moment 12. Ethramel saw that nobody was around, wrapped a strip of cloth around his elbow, and broke the window. He ducked behind a barrel, waiting for any footfalls or cries of alarm. Crag Ross was blessedly silent at this early hour. Satisfied, Ethramel leapt through the window. The room he entered was square and depressingly barren, save for a few poorly constructed chairs. Ethramel closed the window's curtains and ascended the room for any traces of power. There were none. Perhaps this yana is far more devious, the sorcerer thought. He spent the next hour carefully inspecting every inch of the meeting room. When his search came up empty, he thought, Perhaps she's far more devious than I thought. The thought that Yana's invitation, to meet in this empty room at the Stoneworks Inn at noon, was wholly legitimate, did not cross Ethramel's mind. Sorceresses, he knew from experience, were shifty. They often enjoyed feigning patriotism or honor, but only as a way to further their own goals. The Lodge of Sorceresses had been much the same, secretive to a fault, in proclaiming that they served a higher purpose than simply advising northern kings in their petty squabbles. And yet, they had two northern kings assassinated, and would have killed more had they not been exposed at the elven ruins of Loch Muin. So the thought that Yana's invitation, to meet in this empty room at the Stoneworks Inn at noon, was wholly legitimate, did not cross Ethramel's mind. Still, he found no traps, so he settled into a chair and waited. He still had several hours before the meeting was to take place. Ethramel spent this time pondering Yana's intentions. She claimed she would teach him how to better control and strengthen his power, but only if he helped her first. That was to be expected, but then the bloody sorceress spoke to each of his traveling companions, one by one. Ethramel didn't know how to read minds yet, but he didn't have to to know what Yana asked of Zevo, Carmignola, Jeremiah, and Tabak. He expected to see them all stroll into the meeting room at noon. Wish time would speed up, Ethramel thought. His eyelids felt heavy. He drank too much and took too much fist tech at the party. He didn't sleep well and woke up early. Ethramel stifled a yawn. At least then we can find out what Yana wants from all of us. Time passed. Twenty minutes to noon, Ethramel heard the door unlock. Yana entered, looking as fresh-faced as she did the night before. Ethramel felt a pang of jealousy at that. Either she had cast a powerful glamour spell, or she could hold her liquor far better than him. Yana looked surprised to see the elf sitting there. Oh, didn't expect you so early. Yana inspected the doorknob and the key in her hand. How did you get in? We sorcerers have our way, Ethramel said with a wave of his hand. 
the curtains fluttered behind him. Yana grinned. Ah, I see. Not exactly the trusting type, are we? Would you be if you were in my place? No, I suppose not, Yana said after some consideration. For what it's worth, my motives are pure. A hoarse chuckle erupted from behind the door. Zevo of Kavir entered. His eye was as red as his hair, and he moved with less cat-like grace than usual. I suppose we'll just take you at your word, then. Gods, men can be insufferable. Take a seat, Zevo. Zevo shrugged and sat next to Ethramel. Tabek came in next, looking similarly worse for wear. The party had taken its toll on all of them, it seemed. Tabek smelled particularly ripe, and looked far uglier and more scarred than he had the night before. But no one said anything as he took a seat. Carmignola came in next, looking and acting decidedly more chipper. Good morning, everyone. Where's your cat, Carmignola Magvild of Tamaria? Ethramel asked. At that, Carmignola frowned. Couldn't find Otto this morning. I assume he's off slaying mice. Jeremiah was the last to arrive, three minutes past noon. Apologies. Testing went longer than I thought. Testing what? Sevo asked. Never you mind. I'm glad to see everyone here. Yes, Ethramel drawled. Now if only we could find out why we're here. Well, wait no longer, Yana said. She pulled a chair up near the back of the room and took a seat. I have an item that needs retrieval. It is a flat, dull gray stone that can fit in your palm. It should be in a simple wooden box, not much larger than the stone. Yana paused for a moment, surveying for any reactions. She got none. I suspect this stone is in the defunct Vidmar iron mine. That's, of course, in the mining quarter. The mine is abandoned, but there may be a few monsters flitting about, and likely a few brigands who have the box. You're to retrieve it from them as cleanly as you can. Any questions? Several, Ethramel said quickly. What do you plan to do with the mare stone once you retrieve it? From what I've heard, it can be quite an amplifier of power if wielded properly. Yana raised an eyebrow. Mare stone is something of an antiquated name, Ethramel. But yes, I'm looking for the Marstone, an ancient stone that, as you put it, amplifies one's existing magical energy. I'm impressed you know of it. Ethramel kept a solemn silence. Better that than to say he had just read about this Mars stone by chance in a book yesterday. There may be nothing more than plain old rocks down there, Yana continued, but rumors of the Mars stone persist, and I want to find out for myself. If the stone you find gives off any inkling of power, then I want it. That's why I have three capable and power-sensitive individuals going to retrieve it. Yana pointed to Carmignola, and a doctor in case things get dangerous, and Jeremiah, of course, because he's the only one I trust. Does anyone currently have this Mars stone? Zevo asked. From what I've heard, it's in the hands of the Akari gang. They're a local Hansa that produces fist tech deep in abandoned mines to avoid the law. They would, again, be in the defunct Vidmar iron mines. Can't miss it. Ethramel crossed his arms. And what's stopping you from teleporting down to the mine and getting it yourself? Yana tilted her head at the sorcerer. Her eyes had a strange sparkle that he did not appreciate. Well, the Alliance Summit, for one... There's much to be done before talks can begin, and Duke Haggard is about to keel over from stress. Also, it's unbecoming to use too much power in the North, as you know. Attracts the wrong kind of attention. Sorceresses aren't as well-loved as they used to be. You still never answered my first question, Ethramel scowled. Why do you want the ancient artifact that makes magic users even more powerful? I don't plan to tell you, but suffice to say I'm not the only one looking for the Marstone and I'd rather it not fall into the wrong hands. 
Any other questions? Yes, Carmagnola piped up. How much will you be paying us for this? Two hundred crowns each, as long as I receive the stone unmarred. Ethramel barked laughter. Good joke, that. I sense your distrust, and I must say I don't appreciate it. It was Yana's voice, but Ethramel didn't see her lips move. Speaking in his mind, then. Ethramel did his best to look untroubled. If I say I'm going to help you after you help me, then I mean it. Do we need to discuss this any further? Not at the present, Ethramel thought. Now get out of my plowing head. It's unbecoming of you. He heard Yana's tinkling laughter. Then try not to think so loudly next time. Ethramel felt a vague sucking sensation inside of his head, and he heard Yana no more. Ethramel wasn't fooled. He didn't sense Yana entering his mind, and he had no reason to believe he'd be able to sense her leaving it. Still, he tried to keep his thoughts quieter, more guarded. He had no idea if it worked. Let's be on our way, then, Ethramel said, rising. The sooner he was out of the room with Yana, the better. The defunct Vidmar iron mine, you said? Yana nodded. In the mining quarter. You can't miss it. Ethramel led the way, following the map Yana provided. He felt relieved. That room may not have had any traps, but it didn't need to. Yana was dangerous enough on her own. The Mahakam defenders allowed the five of them to pass through each hallway and corridor unmolested. The lead rings acted as their own kind of magic, Ethramel thought. Must remember to thank Duchess Isabel for them. They walked through a half-dozen hallways and residential quarters. Ethramel found it hard to sense which direction he was heading due to the lack of sun, but he got the feeling they were walking towards the heart of the mountain. I think we're here, Carmagnola said as they rounded a corner, and pointed to a large metal sign above them that read, Mining Quarter. Yes, I dare say we are, Ethramel said. Calling it a quarter seemed charitable to the sorcerer, in that the mining quarter looked to be bigger than every other quarter they'd been in combined. It stretched back as far as Ethramel could see, and dozens of large, rectangular entrances, held up by metal or wooden structures, lined both sides of the walls. Dwarves and halflings and gnomes walked in and out of these mine entrances with alarming regularity. Some moved with empty or filled metal carts, some with tools and unwieldy machinery. Many of these workers piled into wooden elevators that were pulled down by chains or ropes, and then disappeared into the dark. What struck Ethramel most was how remarkably quiet the mining quarter was. There was the typical clinking and clanking from the equipment, of course, but none of the workers talked to each other, except in low whispers. The dwarven defenders at the entrance scrutinized their lead rings more than usual, but eventually waved them through. Yana had said they couldn't miss the defunct Vidmar iron mine, and she was half correct. She was correct in that each mine was neatly labeled with a wooden or metal placard hammered above it. Most of these titles were a simple combination of the owner and what type of mine it was. Dozilt's copper mine, Mikhail's silver mine, Posco Cornwise's malachite mine. Several of these titles had an addendum added in bright red paint. Defunct. Ethamel guessed maybe a quarter of the mines they passed were defunct. Yana was incorrect in saying that it would be easy to find the right mine. There were simply too many stretching on in an endless corridor that broke off to the right and left at regular intervals. Ethramel imagined an overhead view of the mining corridor which show a simple, but large, square grid. You've known Yana the longest, Ethramel said, after their first hour of reading every plowing mine placard they passed. Is she the type to play tricks? Jeremiah frowned. Not that I can recall, but it has been some time since we last saw each other. Just keep looking, Zevo said. It's here somewhere. They searched methodically for the next two hours, dodging workers from every direction. 
Just when Athramel was ready to give up, Carmignola shouted, I found it! The doctor pointed to the wooden placard above the mine entrance. Vidmar's iron mine, it read. Red paint added defunct over it. None of the bustling workers seemed interested in this particular mine. Ethermel inspected the wooden elevator at the top of the mine shaft. It had a rope pulley, not a metal chain like the more lucrative mines. He put a tentative foot on the wood and heard a creak. The elevator gave way a bit, but sprang back up when Ethermel removed his weight. After you, Zevo said. Well, we're all going together, Ethermel said with a spiteful smile. It's more efficient that way, no? The wooden elevator depressed slightly with each new person, but it held. Tabek pulled the ropes down, and they started to descend. The light from the mining quarter quickly gave way to total and stifling darkness. Ethramel hoped his eyes would adjust with time, but every time his vision gained ground, they went a little deeper, and a fresh wave of darkness washed over him. No one said anything as they rode down. It felt like hours in the darkness, but the sorcerer knew it couldn't have been more than five minutes. Still, he was relieved when the elevator hit the bottom with a dull thud. Zevo was the first to step off, his steel sword providing a modicum of light to focus on. The mine smelled stale and musty, like an ancient crypt. Ethermel took a few steps forward and summoned a fireball in his hands. Light flooded the corridor, revealing rough-hewn walls that had been hacked and chipped and stripped of everything it had. The ground was dusty, and a set of small metal tracks ran down the corridor into the darkness. A few barrels and carts were discarded in a haphazard fashion. It certainly felt like a crypt. They all moved slowly, the Witcher leading. No one said anything, afraid that even the slightest sound would create a booming echo that gave away their position. Jeremiah and Carmignola lit their lanterns. Tabek took up the rear, glancing back constantly with a nervous look in his eye. Ethramel didn't know how long they traveled down that corridor, deeper into the darkness but eventually it opened up and revealed a larger room that looked much the same at first, with its stripped walls, overturned carts and barrels, abandoned mining picks, and rotted wooden boxes full of tepid water for sluicing. Not too far ahead, however, were two wooden bridges. Ethramel couldn't see what the bridges extended over, but he heard the faint trickle of running water far below. How big is this mine? Carmignola asked. Quiet, Zevo said quickly. Listen, do you hear it? Ethermel focused his attention and heard a low buzzing on the other side of the chasm. He strained his eyes to see several stooped humanoids, flitting blindly against a boulder. He wasn't sure if his eyes were playing tricks on him, but the figures looked bright red and appeared to have wings. They're Anafeli, Zevo whispered. He quickly sheathed his sword. Put your weapons away. They're blind, but they can smell iron, and they have excellent hearing. How many are there? Tabek whispered. Six that I can see. Plowing sorceress, Ethramel thought. He thought to turn back then, to ride back up to the mining quarter and forget the whole Marstone business. But then what? He would be just as aimless as he was yesterday, knowing what he wanted, but unsure how to get it. Yana, for all her shiftiness, at least provided guidance, and the potential to gain more power, perhaps enough to create the change he wanted. So that was why Ethramel swallowed what little spit was in his mouth and said, Let's kill them then. That'll do it for this episode of Tales from the Witcher. This podcast is written and produced by Jacob Gerstel. The Witcher novels are by Andrzej Sapkowski, The Witcher games are by CD Projekt Red, and The Witcher Tabletop RPG is by R. Talsorian Games. 
The music is by Eric Matias at soundimage.org. Be sure to leave a rating and a review, and to spread the word of this podcast far and wide. You can follow the podcast at TalesWitcherPod on X, or at TalesFromTheWitcher.Buzzsprout.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you again next week.